my skill set today really is, is to come in and help people to understand what is it that I have? What is my signature piece? Like, where do I shine? What are we talking about on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast? We're talking about business, specifically your business. Is it growing or are you stuck? How painful is that growth? Is it running you or are you running it? Are you working in your business or on your business? On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we explore these questions and much more. Expect a lively, spirited discussion about what it takes to grow your damn business. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. So excited to have everyone along with us today for our conversation, which I know you're going to enjoy. I am joined today by Beate Chalette. Beate joining us from Los Angeles. Uh, we like to hit all four corners of the world here. So, Beate, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. I was looking forward to this. Yeah, it should be a great conversation. We were catching up a little bit beforehand. We have uh, some folks that we know in common. We know of the each other's business worlds. But uh, I actually want to go back to the beginning with Beate, as we like to do with a lot of our, our clients. And, and let us just have you walk through this first step in your journey. And I'm going to jump right into it. You went from photo editor to running your own business. And I know it's not that simple. We were talking about it's the, you know, many businesses to make one successful. Let's just talk about that first business, Beate Works. Is that right? Did I get that correct? Yes, you got um, that correct. Yes. First so the, one out there. Let's just talk about that. Yeah, it's 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 really very simple. There was a prolonged recession and yeah. uh, the business wasn't making any money. And the business owner who ran a artist representation business that was specialized in hair and makeup and stylists that work on a lot of movie sets and catalog shoots. And then I was brought on to start a photography representation business and a photo production business. And then after you know, in this recession, people were not spending any money and everything was tight. So he says, just as I had a, a newborn, he says, you're on your own. Congratulations. You have your own business now. <laughs> <laughs> so forced upon you, your first first uh, foray into entrepreneurism, not not something that, that was out there. So challenge accepted, right? As you said, you've got a newborn taking this on. Let's just talk about those, take us back to those first weeks, months. What What is that like, right? Did you have any clients walking into it? I mean, it's, it's now thrust upon you and here you are. Let's go it alone here. Well, what he basically said is, he says, I cannot do it. It's not making any money, but you're welcome to do it. So take the photographers, take the connections, take whatever. I'm not doing it. You may as well do it. I thought that was a great opportunity for me. Yeah. And uh, then I was thrusted into being my own boss, a business owner. Yeah. And I had no idea how you would even do that. Because up until yeah. then, I hadn't really ever thought about the numbers thought about the numbers and did is there anything just in, in your upbringing growing up that that was okay there is this hint that business ownership i want to be out there on my own i don't want to work for somebody else is there anything in your background to suggest that this was a path that you would have taken if not presented with this opportunity well i was selling posters out of my bedroom when i was 12 years old and i did that Perfect. because i didn't have any money. And I yeah. realized if I was ordering posters that other people somehow seemed to have money for, and I didn't, that if I became a poster reseller, not just would I collect points to get my own posters for free, but ever so often the company made a mistake 
and they send me extra posters, and then I made a profit, and I did like oh, that. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, realize <laughs> get at the front end of things as opposed to being downstream, right? Yes, That's exactly. A good, <laughs> good, good lesson right there. Let me get how far upstream can I get on this, right? That seems to where, where we're well. Get the, let get me just say, I did not turn this business at twelve in a multi-million no. dollar business, but uh, <laughs> but my bedroom had lots of great posters in lots it. Lots of great posters, of course, of course. All right, so so you get started handed this business, had to learn along the way. One or two things early on that have stuck with you to this day that, that you learned, maybe even a painful lesson, but something you said, okay, I learned it then. If, obviously, if you knew what you know now, going back then, it'd be different. But a couple things just stand out as you're getting started. As you get started, you, you kind of realize it's very lonely and there's nobody out there helping you. I mean, there's not exactly like the, the gates of heaven open and a bunch of Free consultants are raining right. down on you and magically whispering in your ear all the things that you need to do. You're basically clueless. You're like a newborn, like a business owner newborn. Yeah. And I found that you have to find community pretty quickly. And so the community that I found back then, I went and joined an association for women business owners. I I hung around the SBA to look at their business centers and the education that they had. I started going to lunches and, you know, and breakfast meetings and chamber of commerce meetings, just so I could even understand how other people did that. And that's how I was exposed to the self-improvement world and yeah. how I realized there were people out there that were incredibly knowledgeable. And, um, you know, and I took classes at some of these organizations that they offered. And I learned about some of the things that you typically don't know about is like profit and loss spreadsheets, you know, how accounting works in your in your business, that you need to pay yourself that you uh, how do you build a team? What do you need to watch out for? And so that's how I got better a little by little by little by little. But in the beginning, I think what you learn very quickly is that you can't do it all on your own. So that's going to lead me to, to two questions here about what this time was like for you. So the first one is on the tougher side of things. How close did you get to saying, I'm not doing it, right? So you tried to make all these steps, you did the things that a lot of solopreneurs are doing at the beginning. You're out there, you're in the chambers trying to network, right? I think the, those that are hopefully listening to this, entrepreneurs have, have been down that path. But how close did you get to saying, Nope, I'm uh, I'm waving the I'm waving the towel here, throwing it throwing it into the ring. That's and then we're going to turn around and say, when did you think you had something? But let's go with the, hmm, I almost didn't make it. Story uh, first. I, I, I almost didn't far. make it for ten years. That's okay. that's really the story. I had yeah. my story is a story of ridiculous perseverance. The stuff that you hear that happens to other people, the person that was affected by the riots, the fl fire, floods, earthquake. That was me. You know, yeah, I, I started, yeah. you know, I started this this business right after the big earthquake. And that was after a massive recession. And then it just prolonged that recession because of the rebuilding in Los Angeles and people just weren't coming here. And I had to figure out how am I going to get out of this? And every time I thought I turned the corner, there was somebody with a frying pan and not like the light Teflon ones, but the cast <laughs> iron ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just whacked <laughs> right. me over the head. And then... Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I build over time then a good sized business. And then a photographer came and says, well, now I'm going to go to a better agent. Sue me. Sue me for the money I owe you if you want. But I'm leaving. And he did. And then I was back $300,000. 
And then wow. the next thing came and the next thing came. And then finally I had it at about a million dollars, Scott. So, you know, I'm in the 4%. Wow. Yeah. And I'm going yeah. like, that's it. I've done it. I'm in the 4% yep. of all business owners. Cash flow is good. I have jobs. And then I realized something wasn't right. And I fired my employee and I find out that I fired her two weeks too late. She had gotten too close to a key vendor and they had this idea how to run their business, which was my business just without me. And next thing I know, uh, my invoices are not being paid to me. And I found that's how I found out because I was calling my vendors and I said, where's the invoice? It's outstanding. Usually you pay on time. They said, well, we paid it to them. They said that you're no longer in business and uh, you were withholding money from them and they had to start their own business. I'm like, what? And so now I sued them and I'm involved in this huge lawsuit. And as I'm fighting this ginormous lawsuit against one of the major insurance carriers in the country, which I did not know at the time, just me and my little firecracker, five foot attorney out of Long Beach. And then production season rolls around and I worked for Mercedes-Benz, Wrangler, Levi Strauss. So really great clients. And Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, good. You know, I'll make it. I'll make what? it because the cash flow is coming in. September 11th comes. Wow. I mean, well, and your story is un- unbelievable. Just the, the various things that happen outside of your control here. But it is the story, it, right? It is and, the I, story. and I'm sure, it, but it, it's the story of so many folks that are trying to make a go of it on their own. They have the idea, you have the talent, the experience, the education, whatever it is that they're trying to put forth that they are of. They have this vision, right? You, you use the word visionaries all the time. These great ideas are there, but yeah, how to make a go of it. And what do you do when you do get whacked with that fire and pain? Uh, you know, in a EOS language, we call it hitting the ceiling. You can call it whatever you want. You're, some ceilings are much thicker than others, but you're going to encounter them. Yeah. This is not going to happen in a straight line. I'm sure you're sharing the same thing with your clients, right? Growth is not happening in a straight line. You're going to have these periods of crazy revolution, evolution in the business. And, you, and you've got to have those things to hold on to to make it happen. Yeah. We teach a few things there. What do you do? You, you mentioned resilience, but was there a strategy or a technique or a coach, a person, you know, something that you, every time that came up, like you just kind of hit me again and now I'm going to fight through one more time. Well, I, I think there, there were that, a lot what, of one syllable on? words at that time involved <laughs> in, in my strategy, but yeah. I, I realized that things were going to get really, really rough very quickly. Yeah. And okay. um, because I already had no money and I thought that with the lawsuit going and I was $130,000 in it from the lawsuit, now losing in one day my entire rest of the business because I just lost the other half, you know, six months before. And now right. I'm losing the other half of this business in one day. I, literally in 24 hours, I lost that entire business. And I was like, oh, it's going to get, get, get ugly here. And yeah. uh, then the lawsuit settled a couple months later, and it settled for nothing. So I paid my debt, I paid my lawyer, and then there was nothing left over. Nothing. Zero. And so I had to start again, and I go back into debt because now I'm building the stock photography business. And... God does have a sense of humor because that business was an idea that this guy that betrayed me gave me, right? So that was right. that was the thing because we had sold all these stock photography images for him. And then I, afterward, I, le- I learned my lesson and I said, I don't want to be dealing with people anymore that I'm relying on that are all, you know, to some degree trustworthy and to another degree really not. But I wanted to have an equity-based business, a business that I could possibly sell 
And so I went into stock photography and specialized myself in architecture, interior, and celebrity homes eventually. And we were at the right time, at the right market, with the right idea. And we were growing, but slowly, because I was already behind the eight ball because I was in debt. And then comes the moment where I'm, again, $130,000 in debt. I'm going like, well, this is about to be game over for sure this time. And Scott, I fly to Germany to go to an industry conference and to connect with my dad who was living in Germany. And then my dad has a stroke and my father did not have a stroke. My father had pancreatic cancer and now my dad dies six weeks later. Now I'm at the funeral in Germany and it's like, you could just imagine the scene, you know, like this picturesque Bavarian town we have Baroque church, like this yellow Baroque church behind us overlooking the whole valley. I literally just put my father in the ground. My phone rings. It's my office in Los Angeles. We've just been served to notice. So now I'm losing the house. And I, I didn't own the house. I rented the house, but the new landlord wasn't going to honor the you can work from here yeah. that the other owner had verbally agreed upon, but not put it in the lease. So I fell to my knees. I raised my fist, I yelled at God, and I said, if you have a plan right now, would be a really good time to fill me in. Yeah, let let me in on the secret if there is one right now, right? This is the time. Because if there is some sort of a hidden plan, I think I'm entitled to to hear about it now. And then I had to surrender because I was $130,000 in debt, you know? I mean, I had to borrow money to pay for the funeral. I had to borrow money to buy the ticket. I had to borrow money to pay interest on borrowed money. I mean, literally, I mean, it's game over. At this point, there is there is no more offer that comes in from Chase or Capital One. Do you need an extra $5,000? Yeah. I am maxed out on everything. I come back. I have to figure out how I'm going to move. I get a letter from the White House the White House from the President of the United States. (laughs) In my absolute desperation, I wrote a letter to the President of the United States. Now, if we talk about turning points... I mean, if you're going to fire it off, right? Go for it all, right? Go for gold, right. And that's exactly (laughs) what my former mother-in-law said. She says, Beate, you got to write the President... He's the number one guy in the country. If anybody's going to help you, he's the, it's the number one guy in the country. Have you written your letter yeah. to the president of the United States yet? Yeah. The president, I mean, that's what that's his job is to help that's the American people. He's going to take care of you. Exactly. He's got, a, he's got an interest in your business. My response was not favorable, but she just wouldn't stop. And then finally right. I said, I'm going to write the damn letter. So just so we don't have to talk about this anymore. Okay. I wrote the letter. Imagine my surprise, Scott. back from the funeral yes the president sends his best wishes (laughs) you know you appealed to a higher authority and you got a letter back from the white house i I don't that probably doesn't equate but there's something there right there's something to call on that i mean i mean truly right yeah so, yeah, right. so let's just be real here. The president of the United States never saw this letter. He never sat down and gave personal orders and went to some intern in some mail room who does nothing yeah. other than sort out what matters. But it did put me in touch with a small business administration. And because they also got a letter from the White House, 
it went to the deputy chief director, the second in command of all of Los Angeles County. And he says, why didn't you come in? Because you know you could have called me directly, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, you wanted to go up top to have it come back down. We talked about that earlier here. You want to get to the top of the chain so that you're, I mean, right? I mean, you, you've learned this lesson a couple of times here. I, I sense a theme. We go to the top and we're going to... We, we go to the top right. and then we land it. And then he says, I, I got to meet the person who does that kind of stuff. Does, and so yeah. I, I walked in with my business plan. So I had written the business plan and I had sure. all my portfolios and I sat down and then they were able to restructure my financials and they looked at it. They found me a bank. The bank helped me to, uh, gave me a 10 year fixed loan to restructure, uh, to, to free up my line of credit and right. to get me in a 10 year fixed loan payment that didn't give me any money, but it restructured my debt. So at least I wasn't paying 20% interest on it. And then I went and got to break even three months later. We know this is going to get to a happy ending because we haven't get, get, gotten to the punchline here. We're going to let you give you the, give you the punchline here in a little bit. But the, the journey and the story is the most in, incredible thing that to, to go through. And I appreciate your sharing some of that. And yeah. uh, I appreciate also that you're able to, to laugh at it all these years later when in the, in the moment, as you said, is a whole lot of four-letter words. It would have been great had you taken your former mother-in-law with you to that meeting just because she told you to write the letter. You know, the reason I tell that, <laughs> because people always go like, ah, you know, ah. Yeah, yeah, well, the yeah. opportunity never shows up in a Tiffany box with a bow on it. No. The yeah, opportunity really. shows up as somebody who's nagging you, pushing you, as something that you go where you go like, you want me to do what? Right to the top. Right, right, to, the right top. to the top. Okay, so let's get to the good news here because obviously- So let's get to the good news. The good news, yes. So now I'm break even three months after this worst moment of my life. And that's how close it was. It was three months between complete failure and making it. 18 months later, I'm the world leader in my category because my background from Elle magazine in Germany, because I am a photographer, yep. allowed me to recognize when these celebrity home stories came because I had A-list photographers that were photographing A-list homes that were designed by A-list architects and A-list interior designers who, of course, do friends for Coppola, Julian Moore, Seal, Madonna. Next thing I know, I get all these stories and they say, can you sell these? I'm like, well, I used to be a photo editor. I used to buy these stories. So I built up a sure. network into 79 countries in the world. And we were selling these things like it was hotcakes. And that made me the world leader in my category. And then a Bill Gates company comes, Corbis, that was at the time privately held by Bill Gates, and says, can you tell us how you do it? Like any decent woman, I said, absolutely not. You want it? You want it, you can have it. That's exactly right. You want it, awesome. you can have it, but you have to pay for yep. it. And they said, okay, how much do you want? I said, I want a couple million. They said, fine. Unreal. And that's the happy ending to the story, folks. If you had made it through that tough, tough challenge, exactly. yes, sold the company, that was almost done. Three months later, turns it back to even, and then it's about 18 months or so later mm -hmm. than that. Is that about right? Timeline? Mm -hmm. 18 months later, a uh, company owned by, by Bill Gates is now purchasing her mm -hmm. firm. Becoming a self-made multimillionaire, single mom, immigrant. Yes. Fantastic. And then lead that division, correct, for that organization? Yes. And then they hired me and they, yes. Uh, so what I did is I, I walked in and I had a plan, an integration plan. I trained every salesperson all over the world myself. I created all the collateral materials. I made sure that my people were taken care of. I made sure that the salespeople knew what they were selling I predicted that they were going to get a three-year ROI, which they did. 
So they uh, they got the money back within three years, which was important to me. And yeah. uh, in the beginning, then they said, can you come and can you run the uh, global entertainment division? And I said, yes. And I did that. And then I realized that corporate America is an acquired taste. And I well, and you didn't have it. I mean, let's just face it, the stories that you'd been through, which had no one that you no one's going to relate to to what you had been through. I'm sure that was difficult for you to, to you know, a, a business problem pops up and you said that, that, that <laughs> that's not a problem, right? That's not going to register. Let me let me tell you what a problem actually looks like and sounds like and feels like. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it, you're so right. I mean, it's so many different things. You know, they say, well, you have to spend your budget. I said that makes no sense. Why would I spend a budget if we don't even have a plan yet? Why don't we make a plan first and then we spend the budget? So I did. And then they said, well, you didn't apply for the budget. I said, well, but back then we had no plan. What I was going to ask for the budget was, and you want me to come up with a phantom a phantom plan so we can put a phantom budget on it so we do phantom things? And they said, well, that's the way it's done. I said, that's idiotic. Yeah. You know, this is this is made to be because obviously this particular business and I Someone had an idea to start it. I mean, not, there's no business that becomes a corporation out of the box, right? I mean, there is an idea that gets started and it grows and builds and it ca- catches catches the right market at the right time, has a has a break, hard work. These things happen. So any sense, you've now worked with a ton of companies in, in your current work, and we'll talk about that in, in just a second. How does that flip where you lose that entrepreneurial sense of you know, minding every penny, understanding that let's let's make sure that we're getting the right ROI, we're spending our money in the right place, the resources are thin. Any sense of how that flips or what what goes on there to have that culture be so different from what you were used to and that entrepreneurial uh, venture that you had of your own? I think that a lot of it has to do with lack of communication and withholding of information mm-hmm. purposely. And if yeah. I cannot explain what the main goal is that we are we are all going after, I cannot expect that my frontline people or even my middle management can gather it. And what I have found specifically in that particular organization is there was a lot of of purpose withholding because people needed to remain their power. And in order to retain your own power, you need to make it sound like you have information that other people don't have. And I remember very vividly this one woman whose job it was for me to let go, she would allude to some sort of secret conversations she needed to have. She went into her office, she closed the door, you saw her being on the phone, and then she pretended like she had been just told some some secrets that only she was privy to. And once I let her go, I was like, there's literally no secrets. I think she talked to her husband. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that transparency is so critical. Uh sure you do this with your clients. We, when we were talking to our clients and introducing EOS to them, one of the first thing it says, one, you've got to know where you're going and how you're going to get there. Number one, right? That's the vision. You, you talk about visionaries. So you got to know that. And then secondly, once you've got that, share it with everybody. Just what you're talking about here, that communication. And we actually encourage a quarterly meeting where you're saying, look, let's share what we're doing here so that everyone knows when you can get everyone rolling in the same direction. It's amazing what can happen. And when that stops for whatever reason, whether it is an individual or a, a culture that has taken over that that's where you have these these real real challenges and it gets to be bureaucratic and yes and, and i'm going to tell you exactly why that is so yeah this, i'd love to hear that it comes from a very simple background when we start school we are being told that we need to learn information retain information regurgitate existing information and we get an a at any given time we are not good at math 
and English and geography and science and sports, the teacher goes and says, your GPA, you got to be, you got to have the same type of skill all across. That's how we're being judged. Then we push these poor people in corporate America and they say, where's the existing information? What do you want me to learn? What do you want me to retain? What am I regurgitating? Who's giving me an A? So we got a whole army of people that are falling into a system that they're simply trying to understand on how to follow the pattern that they've been hammered in. Yeah. And that's the opposite of what we want. What we want is we want people to come in and say, hey, I'm really good at executing plans. I'm really good at reverse engineering. I can tell any story better than anybody. But what we get instead is a bunch of people that are mediocre at a bunch of different things hidden underneath a super skill somewhere that they're afraid to talk about because then they don't want to brag in front of other people and they have to cover their mediocrity because then they're going to be found out that they're really not as knowledgeable. And that's what we are training for in corporate America. And that creates these really toxic cultures where you give somebody something simple like a PowerPoint presentation. Let's just make a really stupid example. Sure. yeah. And they do a really shitty job because they have no visuals. But they said that they can do it. And now the guy that, you know, is like Mr. Visual or Mrs. Awesome Visuals or Miss Storyteller, they don't get to do that because the guy just completely lied. And so why can't I not look at my team? And this is the difference between a good business owner, a good leader, and a bad leader. A bad leader always feels that they're going to be found out. A good leader says... Why would I want to do that? I've I've scott for that. Yeah. Me, PowerPoint? Oh, absolutely. No, 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 no. Not touching that. You're spot on. You know, the, the general rule of thumb that we follow, 60 to 70% of the issues that any business has are within the people in the business. And the reason for that is because you really need to find out what those folks are really good at and make sure they spend their time on that and find out what you're really good at, make sure you're spending your time on that and get rid of that other stuff. So- we call it delegate and elevate. I know you reference your own superpower, right? So we call it delegate and elevate to the unique ability. But the thing that you really don't like to do, someone else really likes to do it. And by the way, they're really good at it. Yeah, like Excel so pivot tables. That. Why would yeah, you want to terrorize yourself with that? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and let them do it. Take them out. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. And this is a really, really hard concept because then you get back into this idea of, well, when, when do you make the investment? so that you don't have to learn everything because there is a badge of honor associated when you are a business owner being mm -hmm. the chief cook and bottle washer. Mm -hmm. And that badge of honor, it's nice, gets you started, you have a foothold in the business, but ultimately you're not gonna be able to grow your damn business. You're not gonna be able to grow your business at all if you don't start to relinquish some of these tasks that you, you are just not very good at and give them to an expert that actually has that ability and enjoys doing that work. Just such a critical, can you think just, Key hires for you along the way, and we're going to talk about your current business here if you're next, but key hires along the way. When was the first time you realized, oh, this is like, there's a little bit of a secret sauce here in this where I got to get this right person into this seat that's going to do this work that I don't want to do, and they can really let me get to the next level, right? They get to really move the business forward. Yeah, have a have an example of that that hire? Yeah. So uh, one was definitely an executive assistant, and I was lucky enough to find somebody who has an engineering degree who was very apologetic about having an engineering degree 
and then saying, well, I'm not technically a trained virtual assistant. You know, I'm, I'm come from, from engineering. And I said, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> I said, where do I light the candle? And said yeah. my thank you prayers. Because I know that if I can give an engineer a process and I tell her, just go ahead, figure it out, she's going to be so happy. If I give yeah. a process to a virtual assistant with no engineering background, they're going to look at me and say, Beate, what's the process? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm very process oriented, but, but you know, that makes it, makes it much easier. And then, so I know if I toss her something that her engineering is going to be spot on. She's going to even think about the details that I don't like to think about. So she thinks it all the way through. The other key hire that we did was what we thought was an appointment setter. Because we had last year, you know, we had a lot of leads coming through. And so we go, we, we thought we finally had figured all of this out. Then this year happened and everybody's like, well, let me think about this. And this appointment setter stuck around and now his role kind of has shifted. And now as we are back into the lead generation and we did our quiz and we, you know, we, we now have figured out what's working in this market now to get people back into our orbit, which we have to, I guess, right now under these conditions, do what, every six months now? Dynamically changing, as we talked about, right? I mean, it's already changed by the by the minute we just talked about it here. Yeah. So uh, having somebody who is focused on sales and uh, to remind you when you do bring this unnecessary complexity, like my friend Krista Grasso says, into your business as, and says, you're doing too much. This is not working. This is not working. Why are you wasting your time? Why don't we focus on getting this piece working first? And then when we have this piece working, let's move on to the next piece instead of doing 10 pieces at the same time. And that's really good to have somebody who compliments you on, um, especially as a, a business owner who has a lot of ideas, you know, in Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENTP. So I'm a big, I'm a big thinker. I help people with big ideas, which I love to land planes, but sometimes I get I get too much into the details and then I need somebody to remind me what's the simplest way to do it. And then, you know, cut the fat on all the sides. So to answer your question, my philosophy on hiring is very simple. You hire as many subject matter experts as you possibly can for the smallest, clearly defined tasks. If it's two hours a week for a writer, if it's three hours a week for graphic design, if it is four hours a month for video editing, that's how narrow I want you to go. And that's, you, you answered the question before I asked it, but I think it's just, it's great advice and something that is, it is a hard thing for a, a new business owner or business owner that is not quite reached a, a stage where they've got that comfort level. I think everyone needs to be full-time. Everyone needs to come in oh God, and no. have to hire an employee. No, right. You just, but get it off your plate, get it onto their plate. It's going to be better. You don't have to worry about it. Then you can go think about bigger things. And it's really, really challenging. I would say that of, of all the folks that I talk to, this is one of the areas where it's, it's most troubling. I'll admit it myself. I struggle here. Like, who am I going to bring on to do this thing? I end up doing too, too many different things that are not in my wheelhouse because I'm afraid to let go of some of those things and take take it on. So I need to do a better job of practicing what I'm preaching because but it is that's how you change the game, right? What happens then to sum this part up, mini me cloning is not permitted. Absolutely nope. it's completely forbidden. And the second part of it is if you have a rich repertoire of things, right? So I bet as somebody who does EOS professionally, I'm sure you have other things that you that you bring in based on your experience and expertise and 
let's face it, you know, EOS sometimes can be a little bit dry because it's about, you know, the rocks and the meanings and the pillars mm-hmm. and the cornerstones and the, you know, and, and getting the people in and how do we run the meeting and accountability. And sometimes people get a little bit resistance to it. So I'm sure that you have found that if you have a little bit of a work around here, a little bit of a worker or how you explain this or how you talk about this. So what really happens is that then EOS is a tool but not the hero, because then the hero really is your method. But if the method or the system doesn't have a name and a unique formula, and then one of the tools of it is EOS, then you're now underselling yourself and now you cannot scale your business because the whole method of EOS is that they don't want to do the work. They want you to do the work so they can make the money. Right. Yeah, so, it's it is interesting. We we talk about that, right? And it, really, when you get right down to it, it as, and you t- you and I talked about it before, and you can, it doesn't matter whether it's EOS or any, you can read a book and then do the work that that's in in the book. But that's that's only part of the way there. And you know, we try to spend our time talking about, okay, so let, we'll read this. But what's that actually look like in your unique business? Tell us more about that. Let's let's extract that from you. And that's where you're talking about where you bring that color into it. Where you, where you bring it to life more so than words on a page or here's a worksheet or whatever. And, and plenty of people and companies do that. They, they say, well, I'll just take this on my own, but you're leaving something behind because you're not, you're not going to have someone there to come along and guide. We use the analogy all the time. Well, I can give you the exercises and you can go to the gym or you can hire a personal trainer and really get the most out of the, the process. Your choice, it works. P- people like one or the other, but that's very... I think it's a it's a it's a great analogy. Is that you know we we are going to be your personal trainer for your for your business and a little bit what you're doing. So let's talk about where you are today, right? So sold the business and you ran the business that you sold, oh, oh, and had that success story. But now you're helping other businesses and and have really moved over into that space which we share. But let's just talk a little bit about what today looks like and what you spend your time on today and. I joked and said it's really your second big business, but then you told me no, it's your twelfth business. So <laughs> however many, <laughs> however many, right? But I mean, this is a, this is a, a new invention of, of yourself, a reinvention of yourself. So let's just talk about what you're doing today to help out uh, business owners and companies. Happily to do so. Um, so I work now as a growth architect. I work with visionaries and leaders and help them to grow their authority and scale their impact. And the reason we uh, we branded as such is that I wanted to really recognize that business building, you know, falls into two categories. You're either going to grow to make the revenue or you have grown and now you need to scale. So my assumption is most EOS implementers come in when they're scaling and it's a, it's a hot firing mess and they need somebody to come in and, and, and bring freedom of time and money bring back some, yeah. to the bring some order to the chaos and give the give the time back to the owner is really the right it, place it, for exactly. us to be in. exactly right. So exactly right. so I help people that have big ideas landing planes. So I work with a lot of uh, people that have big ideas like how do I do a women a woman in Hungary who wants to do a women's empowerment site in in the United States a data scientist out of London who wants to develop a framework for ethical AI for luxury uh, engine, uh, luxury brands, search engines, just ridiculous yeah. project. Yeah. And yeah. I've worked for people like Amazon to help a whole team get on the same page and figure out what's our three-year plan for a particular division of this organization. So my skill set today really is, is to come in and help people to understand what is it that I have? What 
is my signature piece? Like where, where do I shine? Because most people have different tools that they're bringing in, but then it's still about something else and it's not about them. So how do we, how do we create this? I call this a signature growth system. That's kind of like my, my sweet spot. And I love that because then people go out and they have their systems and, you know, and they suddenly like the data scientist a week later, she closes a $50,000 job just because she knew how to talk about it differently. And, yeah, just awesome. and so on what's happened in this market though, just to give a little bit behind the scenes look is that we have found that there is a whole new generation entering the market in the millions wanting to create their own businesses. So I'm building a certification program for project managers, business consultants, and all the stuff that I usually teach my clients, I'm now now uh, changing and adding another piece to it where I now teach other people on how to be, how to do some of these things and learn how to do these things so that they can serve more people. Because with that many people entering the business world and wanting to be uh, business owners and stick it to the man, somebody's got to certify them in something, so it may as well be me. This is that visionary side of you that's coming out again, right? Seeing, seeing an area that, that you can move into, um, relying on your, your, your learnings from your current role, but also just in, in building your own business. And well, we always look for recurring revenue, right? We always look yeah, for absolutely. look yeah. for sellable yeah. asset and for recurring revenue. And the problem is when you're involved in every part, you can't sell it because there is, I mean, you may, may be able to sell your inventory, um, but that they, they're relying on on the way you're doing things. So I I thought I thought what can I do to you know as I tell my story of what I did back then it's like well how do I replicate that form I already know the form I already did the formula so what do I need to do you now lived it. yeah I lived you it lived it you proof positive of it and bring it forward which is also so critical you're bringing that credibility to the front there you, you mentioned one last thing and then we'll we'll kind of wrap things up here is just the number of folks that are looking out there to start their own thing it's a it's an amazing time really just the way that. Things have evolved and folks realizing, oh, I can go out on my own and, and perhaps the traditional way of work uh, is just, it's just not going to fly in today's today's day and age. How many folks are you seeing come across right now? You said said millions, but how many folks are you seeing just come into this space with just no idea, just this, I have an idea, but I'm, I'm going to go do it because I don't want to do this for, for anybody else. Tens of thousands. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this whole idea of I should be, I, I think what's happened is that they look at people like me and my generation. And they say, you completely screwed this up. <laughs> now there's a, we saw the boomers, we're watching X, we see where, where millennials are going. It's, it's a hot mess. That sounds completely unappealing to me. That's not what I want. I want, fr I want your lifestyle that you worked for, for 30 years. I want that now. Want that now. I, that's so funny. You say that I used to have that. We had this conversation. So my, my kids are both uh, graduated from, from school, but we would have these conversation as the, the parents of my son played some baseball and have some conversations with parents. And I said, I think the kids want to get out of college and do what we do without spending the 30 years of doing what we did. That's absolutely correct. Be where we are. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely correct. And it happened time, time again. And then some of them are still looking for them. Like it just, it doesn't work like that. It's, it's going to, but you're going to be better for it. I, Right, you're just going to be better for it if you if you go through the journey, and it's it is a journey. It's going to have a bunch of frying pans that smack you upside the head uh, over and over again. But you're better for it today. I mean, what you're providing today to your clients is a result of 
Shortcuts. It's nothing but shortcuts. We we came up with a really good line the other day. We said, get out of business prison. Get the shortcuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. This has been awesome. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you for being so open um, with your story and all that it took to, to get there. I'm glad it had the ending that it did and uh, easier to look back upon now, but uh, appreciate the struggle and journey that you went through to make this overnight success story. Right? 13 That's year overnight the, the success fallacy. story, people. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> always like that. Always like that. All right. Before we let you uh, point, point our audience to your stuff, uh, we'd like to ask five questions that have nothing to do with anything other than to learn a little bit more about you. So I'm just going to fire them away. Give me the first thing that pops into to your mind, and we'll share those with the audience uh, down the line here. So do you have a favorite sports team or athlete? I would say I do really appreciate the German national soccer team, and I do have a thing for for Federer. I thought you'd go with this German national. I mean, that is the sport, right, in, in Germany. So I had a feeling we might I, I do might appreciate there. a good soccer yeah. game. I really yeah, do. I yes. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. Um, what would you eat if it was your last meal? What would I eat if it was my last meal? And it is guilt-free because it's your last meal. You know what? I'd probably eat a huge marshmallow. <laughs> I had someone say cereal on an episode a while back. I'm like, you know what? Just go deep on the sugared cereal. Was, yeah, I just had this list of sugared cereals. He was going to go for it. Love it. Love it. Do you have a dream vacation spot either you've been to, want to get back to, or someplace you haven't been yet? Fiji. I got to go to Fiji. I want to be in a house on the stilts on top of the water and then just jump in. Me and you both. Yes. That is the thing. That's right? the I, thing. I, I, I got to have that. Fiji. I love it. it has to be Fiji. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite movie or TV show that you rewatch or maybe something you're streaming now that you'd want to share? Uh, I'm a big Bourne fan. I That's probably mm, the Bourne only identity. movie I watched so many times. It's not even funny. My daughter makes makes fun of me that way. But I literally can watch it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I am not bored by it. Awesome. And finally, a favorite quote that you'd like to share or something that you have gone back to time and again that's helped you along the way here and, and overcome all these challenges that you've had as, as you grow in your business? Uh, there's a couple. So one is on whether you think you can or can't, you're right. I want to say that's a Napoleon Hill, but I'm, I'm not 100% certain about it. And the other one yeah. is actually my own quote. And I say there's a million ways to be successful. You only need to find one yours. I like that. I like that. Thanks for sharing it. Great, great appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your story. Beate, where where can folks find you? Where would you like to, to point them towards so that they can get to learn a little bit more about you, your business, and your story? Well, before I want to send them there, I want to send them to you. Uh, I want them to go to wherever they're picking up this episode of Grow Your Damn Podcast, uh, Grow Your Damn Business, and uh, give you a five-star review. And please do leave a comment. And here's why this matters. The comment is what gets picked up as engagement by the algorithms, and that allows Scott to put this podcast in front of more people, help more business owners with this message. And then please do share this episode with one other business owner who needs to hear what we were talking about today. I appreciate that. That sounds like great advice from our friend Alex Sanfilippo as well, who uh, likes to share that information. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I have been yes. doing this for, for forever and ever and ever and ever. I think it's it's better if it comes from me versus you ask for people to like your podcast. It's like, like his podcast is third-party endorsement. <laughs> That's awesome. No, and, I appreciate it very much. So. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that. I'll, I'll take it and I appreciate it. And if you if you found us, uh, please, please do share with one other person. It's uh, makes make such a difference. Just and, one, uh, one person, uh, not uh, two. Yeah, I mean, 20 is fine, but one's good. 
And where you can find me. So there's a couple of things I want to share with you. So number one, you can go and take our free quiz, our growth blocker quiz. And it's at growthblockerquiz.com. In about two minutes, you can figure out what is your number one business growth blocker. There's three things that businesses typically are stuck in when they're not growing. You can go there. You can find out right now. The second thing we have is a airtight avatar. And the airtight avatar, you find at airtightavatar.com. And I have found that the market is changing so quickly right now. So we did a low-cost product. It's $7, where we help people to really understand our philosophy and how do you crawl in the minds of your client to make sure that the offer you're having today is even relevant to the problems that they're experiencing today. And if you now say, Beata, just give me the damn shortcut because I want to start my damned <laughs> damn business, right? Then go to uncoverysession.com and schedule a 15-minute complimentary session with our business growth advisor, and we'll help you to figure out how we're going to get you started. Awesome. Thanks so much for that. Greatly appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure, Beate. Thank you so much for spending some of your afternoon here with us today. Great. Hopefully some folks can appreciate that this stuff doesn't happen overnight, doesn't happen without hard work. You're going to get hit inside the head with a frying pan, a cast iron one. It's going to be, it's going to happen to you. Just be ready for it. And the more that you can prepare for it and roll with that, the better off you're going to be. And you're going to make, make it to where you want to get to, which wherever that may be, but don't, that'll make it where you want to get to. So Beate, thank you for joining us today on the Grow Your Damn Business Podcast. So much appreciate all that you shared with us. And I hope you have just a great rest of your week. The Grow Your Damn Business Podcast is hosted by Scott Goodrich, a professional EOS implementer. To learn more about EOS and how it might help grow your damn business, you can email Scott at scott.goodrich at eosworldwide.com or check out his website at www.eosworldwide.com forward slash Scott hyphen Goodrich. Thank you for listening to the Grow Your Damn Business Podcast. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. We will see you next week on the Grow Your Damn Business Podcast.